Hello, everyone, and welcome to Griplock, Foundation Disc Golf's weekly podcast. I'm Hunter, joined, as always, by Trevor. And today we've got a, a little bit of an interesting show. There's not a ton of news out there, but we're getting very close to the end of the offseason. So close. Um, pro- probably the next two episodes are going to be a little bit more featured towards the Pro Tour um, All-Star event that's mm-hmm. coming up, and then the actual start of the Pro Tour, because both of those things are right around the corner now. Um, we're within the month of February, so finally, that means that... The Pro Tour happens this month. That's great news. Yeah, we're almost there. I'm very we've excited. almost made it through the offseason. The offseason is always the toughest part because we've got to just like create content. There's not content created for us that we can take and reshape and chew up and spit out. Right. we got to actually get in the kitchen and cook it up. You know what I mean? All right, all right. All right. Calm the metaphor down. <laughs> Calm it down. With that being said, uh, the PDGA did come out today um, saying that no matter what, as long as they're able to actually like happen in the locations. All majors will happen this year. Yep. So even if travel is restricted, um, basically as long as areas are allowing these events to happen, which there's no reason to believe that won't because they could run right now. Um, and they could have ran, you know, anytime in the last pretty much eight or nine months. Yeah. Majors are going to happen. Um, personally, I think this announcement has come too soon. Um, because I understand USDGC, I understand USWDGC going on. Those are U.S. titles. Right. So although they're open to the whole world, it's at least a U.S. champion. You know what I'm saying? Sure. To where like the title kind of makes sense that like, okay, well, the whole world wasn't there. The title's still valid. Right. Um, but I don't really like the idea of worlds happening potentially without a full field. Yeah, it, it definitely would. I mean... I think it's tough to say. Like, in the MPO side, we are missing out on a couple players, but it's still a highly competitive title. On the FPO side, like, there is a lot of the top players that yeah. are stuck over uh, overseas right now that maybe would not be able to get there for Worlds. And, like, yeah, that would feel a little bit – I mean, in, in both cases, I feel like it's going to be a little illegitimate without yeah, well, the, I think- the entire field. How I look at it is most likely, based on statistics, current play, all of that, most likely the MPO champion is going to be the same MPO champion that we would have if there was a full field or not. Right. I don't think MPO is going to change that much. We would like to, to see mm-hmm. some of the up-and-coming talent over here. We would like to see Seppo be able to push for a lead card, stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to change who is this year's MPO world champion, whether the full field is there or not. Yeah. I do, however, think that the FPO, it could change because yeah. we're missing out on Kristen Tatar, who has already won an FPO major in USWDGC. Yeah. We're missing out on Evelina Salonen, who is primed to win one. Henna Blomroos, same thing. Um, I think that's the main three. Yeah, and I don't think you want to have one without the other. I don't think you no. want to have an MPO and not an FPO. So. No, definitely not. If you can't have everybody. If not everybody can travel, then like I, you just got to can't postpone it again yeah i mean the world's td said in an ultra world article he said from my perspective we've waited long enough and we just have to move forward no. i i don't think so because <laughs> it, it, i i don't like that reasoning again for uswdgc and usdgc sure because that at least it like just the name of it it's not worlds i don't right. think you can have a world champion in a world championships if the whole world can't be there. Well, and my thing, okay, so if they're just desperate to have another major, then just instead, in place of worlds, go ahead and implement your a new major one year early. Yeah. 
but don't you can't have a world champion when the whole world couldn't even get there. Yeah, I just that just is ridiculous. I, I don't like that idea. I do think I do want to see worlds this year. Yeah. Um, but I would like to have seen this decision made for worlds specifically more in like April range. Yeah. Or something where we have a good idea of like, is there going to be like a vaccine? Is there is there going to be something like a vaccine passport or yeah. a work visa that allows people from Europe and stuff over here? Sure. If there's an option for players to get over here and players choose not to take it, I'm fine with that. Yeah, you know what I mean, if we thing. don't have a European or even a like a Manabu Japanese or even Australian New Zealand, if we don't have a non-US present presence at worlds because the players chose not to i'm completely fine with that if there is some type of easily accessible way that like the sponsor could pay or the player could pay and get here then sure let's run it let's do it because then it's up to the player's choice but as long as there's no option of the player where that doesn't they can't be here then i i don't see how we can run a world championship without it yeah i'd agree yeah i just I, it, it it really is the FPO side. I, I MPO, you know, but you can't have one without the other. Another thing that I found interesting from this announcement article was USWDGC um, is being held in California. Mm-hmm. California has obviously been under under a stay at home um, order for a long time. That just got recently got lifted, but there are like apparently special rules and regulations for professional sporting events that the TD says will allow this event to happen. But mm. almost in that same breath, in the same sentence, Ulti World pointed out that some of the parks that are being used for U.S. Women's haven't approved the tournament yet, and U.S. Women's is in May. Yeah. So for a major, three months out of a major, and to have some of the courses not approved by the Parks and Rec Department yet, is kind of interesting, especially for the PDGA to be like, yeah, they're happening. Yeah. Straight I, up, period. I think it's interesting that they're banking on trying to get approval based on it being like a professional sporting event. Like <laughs> I hope that this golf is legitimate enough to, to qualify under that, but that's interesting. Cause like, are the, is that rule based off of the team playing at the Staples center? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I, I feel like they made that law based around that. Uh, not, you know, certainly not disc golf tournaments at, at public parks. Yeah. It's, it's going to be up to local right? government to really yeah. recognize disc golf as a professional it, sport. Yeah. And like, it's a whole different game because the other professional sports, if we're talking about like, basketball and hockey which are happening right now they're being played in a private arena mm-hmm. you know it's not it's it's very much different um yeah super interesting for them to be that confident i think it was it the tds that were making this statement mm-hmm. yeah so like obviously they are you know wanted to happen so bad that i'm sure they're just speaking with overconfidence on the matter but I mean, there's no predictability, so I don't know why they would talk with such certainty unless only they know thing, something we don't. I'll say the only thing I can think of is like maybe some of the courses that aren't approved yet are like non necessities. Like maybe they we have can a backup like, plan. Maybe yeah, like either have a backup plan or be like, okay, well, we'll just run the pro weekend this weekend and weekend the next weekend. Or, I, yeah. I don't know. Uh, there's no real information as far as like what their backup plan is, but I did find it interesting that they threw that into this article too. So like majors are happening is what the PDGA is saying. But then there's uncertainty of the rest of the world, for the most part, uh, mainly European, um, traveling here. There's a, yeah. That's kind of up in the air. And then there's the up in the airness of USWDGC being able to have all the courses. Mm-hmm. So to me, this announcement's too early. Like I don't, I don't really understand there's why. There's no really a reason for it. Yeah, I, I mean, it, as a fan, I'm stoked. Like, cool. We'll, yeah. We're guaranteed to watch majors this year. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. But. 
I just don't know if that's the right decision um, for right now. Uh, but regardless, speaking of decisions for right now, we have seen something kind of interesting that I think is a bit too soon for the sport. Mm. But we'll let you get your opinions on it too. Basically, we're talking about EV7. Oh, yeah. Um, so EV7 is a new company that is focused only on making putters. So the first putter in their lineup is the Penrose and is available for pre-sale right now, um, both to the general public and to manufacturer or to retail, excuse me. So first off, before we get into some of the other stuff with this, what are your thoughts on a manufacturer only making one speed of discs being yeah. like a putter? Even we haven't seen it yet, but like a mid or a driver. What, right. What's the thought process? So there? first of all, what the heck is a Penrose? <laughs> That's what I want to know. It sounds kind of cool, but I don't know what it is. Uh, so... If I'm incorrect, the the whole thought behind this, Drew Gibson, uh, who's now kind of their cover boy, Mm -hmm. um, has been a proponent as of late for like trying to be sponsored for one type of disc. Now, in my opinion, the reason that is not a really a good model for disc golf, number one, even in ball golf, it's very rare that something like that happens. Um, there are a few companies who will let you play with other manufacturers clubs if they don't really, if they're not really focused on trying to sell that club, Yeah. but it's very, it's not very common anymore. Um, and, and I think what EV seven is kind of, they're kind of thinking like along the lines of Scotty Cameron for which of you, if you don't know, Scotty Cameron is a ball golf putter. They're like highly regarded as one of the best putters made, but they're owned by Titleist. So like they're, even though like it may look like, Oh, Titleist care players are carrying Scotty Cameron's they have like a different putter they're owned by Titleist were they originally owned by Titleist I don't believe so but they were acquired long ago so my and then here's the thing like if EV7's model was like to be so good that they were going to get acquired by somebody I don't think the disc golf disc is complicated enough I mean the ball even the a ball golf club it's a stretch to say I mean the technology is a little bit different because they can do quite a bit compared to what you can do to a disc um, but even there, it's a stretch and disc golf, it's really a stretch. If you're going to tell me that you've done made some kind of mold that is different than the rest, or certainly some kind of plastic, a baseline plastic that feels that much different than the rest, I will be shocked. And, but the interesting thing we read today is that Drew Gibson is telling us that it's in his words, weighted differently. Yeah. Now that those were like. I, I was kind of like on the whole EV7 thing. I'm like, it's ambitious. I don't think it's going to sell a bunch at the beginning. I don't think it's going to really hold on, uh, in my opinion. But I'm curious to see what happens as just an enthusiast. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm thinking, whatever. But then I heard those words, it's weighted differently. And he said, as soon as I picked it up, I could tell the difference right away. Now, he said this after being sponsored by them. So like marketing-wise, well, he, duh. He's claiming to have said this, and that's right. why he got sponsored right. by them. Right, but... All this is released. Yeah, all is released now. So, like, I'm taking it with a grain of salt. But the word choice is like big claims. If yeah, if I pick that thing up and I can't tell the difference between that and a DX AVR, you're in trouble, Drew. Like, now my hopes are up. So now I'm very curious. But long story short, I think it's it's not going to work. Well, one thing I want to focus on is back to your Scotty Cameron reference because that's kind of where this whole idea has come from. Who was Scotty Cameron? He's just a guy who designed who designed putters. So, like, was he well known before the Scotty Cameron putter became a thing? Did, okay, so this is all. I think a lot of this. 
I might be sure on, but I might be talking nonsense. So, so just, <laughs> I probably should have asked you that question. So you yeah, could have like people it just came to my mind. I now. think this is what I, th- I know they're design Like it was a designer from California. He designed these putters. I'm here's what I'm not sure on. He either worked for Titleist already and just kind of like it became a section of Titleist or he started his own thing. He was acquired by Titleist in any case for since they've been mainstream, this is kind of the important part since they've been mainstream putters, They've been owned by Titleist. So unless you're playing Titleist clubs as a sponsored player, you're not playing Scotty Cameron's. So like the whole idea of like Paul McBeth playing Discraft, but then using EV7 putters, that doesn't exist. Now in ball golf, you might say, oh, well, like Callaway players use Odyssey putters. Odyssey is owned by Callaway. Mm-hmm. Like, so there are ball golf companies that have flirted with the idea of having a separate brand for like their putter because it's such a special thing, like your putter. Um, but it's a, it's owned under the same like roof. Yeah. It's like, you're not like, there's literally when EB seven was looking to sponsor players, as far as guys that are known, they only really had one option. Yeah. That's why, (laughs) that's why (laughs) the second this got announced, I immediately texted the group, like our group chat. And I was like, Drew Gibson's going to get sponsored by them because that's their only option. You you don't have a up the top tier option for that. I think it's all marketing hype. And we're going to get these putters in. And I'm not saying they're going to be a bad putter. You know, Phil Arthur, the guy running this, he had a big part in Prodigy. And Prodigy makes some really good putters. Prodigy makes a great putter. They, get, they make some good putters. So I'm not saying it's going to be a bad putter. It might be a great putter. Even it might be, it might win disc of the year. But it doesn't change the fact that, you know, there's not that much more you can do to a disc uh, as mold-wise that's going to really fascinate me and be like, wow, this is such a game changer. Um and unless they get acquired by somebody, which would be an interesting move, um, no top players with already that are already sponsored by manufacturers are going to be carrying these putters. Yeah. So I'm not really sure. I guess maybe they think they can make a killing on the average disc golfer, and they they might they might just do that. So when I was reading about this, I kind of am con- I'm not concerned, but confused on two primary fronts. The first being. The founder and Phil Arthur, right? Yeah. He just left Prodigy in 2020, immediately started this, which first off, red flag number one, why yeah. on earth would Prodigy not have a non-compete? Right. We're tiny. We had a non-compete. You know what I mean? Ooh. Could you imagine if they were secretly... St- that's what I'm. That's where under, my mind's at. Underneath Prodigy? Is, this, is the EV7 a branch of Prodigy that they're trying like the Odyssey oh, type thing? And you know what? It would make sense for a couple reasons. Number one, it looks like a Prodigy putter. Everything about it is Prodigy. And number two, the branding, the name, it all seems It prodigy. lines up, Prodigy. Um, conspiracy. Second question was, let's say that that conspiracy theory is not true, which we have no reason to believe it is. I just have a hard time believing one of the founders of Prodigy in a founding document wouldn't have a non-compete. That just makes no sense to me. Yeah. I I just don't understand how that could be a thing. It could be a thing. It just seems like if it if they didn't have a non compete, again, I just I, I I don't understand where they couldn't be. Well, regardless, let's just that is complete conspiracy theory. Let's throw that out the window and say that that's not true. I don't know. It definitely could be true. But then I'm thinking if that is true, then why aren't the other prodigy players hyping them up yet? Maybe their plan is to act like they're just putters and then like a few months, like somehow work it in that they always were Prodigy or they are joining Prodigy. I don't think, I don't even think they would announce they're joining Prodigy. I think you would see Prodigy players start getting signed by EV7. Yeah. Picking up. Regardless, let's say that, that I think it's a pretty valid opinion. I think that it's a pretty valid idea, but let's say that that's not true. Yeah. 
why I was originally concerned with this or like confused on how they expect it to work is because of the, the person designing it and Phil Arthur, right? Nothing against him as a person. The thing is though, his name to new disc golfers has no weight. Yeah. If you're in the disc golf world, you know about him with Prodigy, you know about a little bit of his history, you know he's got a background. Yeah. His name to a new disc golfer, nothing. Right. You know what I mean? If this was Ken Climo, if this was Barry Schultz, if this is Barry Schultz designing a mid and he's only making a mid and he's like, this is the mid I always wanted during my, you know what I mean? Then you got a little bit of market because without right. Drew Gibson, they have no one to market this. Yeah. So if no, their whole marketing thing was built off the back that they only make one disc. That yeah, was but that's what I'm thing. saying is I think with without Drew Gibson, there's no hype around this because there's no one to hype it up. There was still a little bit of hype because a, a very small no bit. company has tried doing that. But but what I'm saying is I don't think there's enough hype without Drew Gibson. Even with Drew Gibson, I don't know if there's enough for it to be sustainable. If it was a <laughs> big name, like if it was a Ken Climo, if this Who's, was Paul years from now, if this was Ricky years from now, where yeah. they're out of the sport and then they come back and design something, right? that holds a little more weight because their name is super relevant because of what they did in their playing career. Yeah, He's a world champ, but he's not going to be super recognized as a world champ. Connor, go ahead. Go ahead and, and look up Scotty Cameron so we can clear the air on that so we don't sound like idiots. Regardless, I'm going to move on to Drew what, Gibson. What about it? Just look up uh, the brand Scotty Cameron Potters on like Wikipedia and see like when they were founded and acquired. I'm just curious. Uh, I want to move into the Drew Gibson deal a little bit. So I, we talked about it some. He's been picked up by them. I think it's interesting from a few different things. First off, his deal has a it's a three year deal with a salary that will increase thirty percent year over year over those three years, and he gets a small royalty on all discs produced by EV7. That leads me to my next question: Who's making their discs? You think about that? And they look a lot like a Prodigy. I know. That's I, what I'm saying. Like, surely, surely Prodigy's turning those putters to out. To me, this, I don't know what I'm, all went down behind the scene, but the thing that I keep getting hung up on is I just don't understand how he could leave Prodigy in 2020 and within the same year. It says that this was founded in July of 2020. So within the first six oh, months of the year. I looked today and those putters got approved in November, November. of last year. Yeah. yeah. So for this to all kind of happen so fast shortly after he left Prodigy... Is very confusing to me, and that's why I'm leaning towards it's <laughs> still a prodigy making thing. those putters. And like, think about like if you actually had a, a warehouse just making one mold or even a, like three, the amount of volume you could produce because like you don't have to focus on all these. But molds why would you need a vol- that amount of volume if they were popular enough? Obviously, yeah. regardless, Drew Gibson. Three percent salary increase, small royalty, or thirty percent big increase. Deal. Three years. Yeah. Um. One thing that I find also interesting about it is that Drew Gibson's been very open that putting is like his struggle area. You know what I mean? Like every interview, um, he'll be able to throw the putter super well, but it seems like this is going to be his putting putter of choice. And unless his putting improves this season, the only example people will have it on tour is going to be Drew Gibson, who had 79% circle one and 23% circle two putting last year, Yeah, which was like mid 40th places circle one and upper 50th places in circle two well so So, not stellar in either category right now the interesting thing about that i was as i thought about it more originally i was like well that's awful business but then number one they only had one choice we talked about that Mm -hmm. number two it i was thinking oh it's high risk or high reward because yeah it's risky because he might stink with your putter but if he does start putting good people are like oh wow but then i thought is it risky because 
he can't really get worse. So if he's already, if he still is just putting the same, people might not really blame the putter. Yeah. So I don't know. You what, just, you did you find anything? What, what did you find? In 1992, he started selling them. And then in 1993, Bernard Langer uh, yeah. won a Masters tournament using the butter. And so in, two, in 1994, Tyler was bottom. So, so Bernard Lager was like a big deal on tour back then. Won. So once someone so he won. yeah so a big name won with his with that putter and that's how they got acquired. Interesting. I thought that was kind of how it went. So that so that'd be like Drew Gibson is using these putters just is lights out wins worlds and some companies like there's something special about that mold we need to have it and they acquire it. That's basically what would ha- like the disc yeah. golf version. But and I'm saying like so surely that's their business model. Like they're trying to like like be a putter design that, something so great but like how can you do it like does he know something we don't like i've held so many disc golf putters and you can change all you want but i don't think there's something undiscovered out there i don't know it weighted <laughs> different is very intriguing those words yeah those words, words weighted different <laughs> it makes me lean you towards like a me. like a mvp type disc that doesn't have the actual like gyro on the outside so like there's more weight in the rim but like without there being the gyro yeah. technology type. Th- I, don't I don't know. know. Between that and the hydrogen loft putter, we're gonna have our hands full with just <laughs> weird putters to have to like yeah. get our hands. It's on. definitely something that's interesting, um, and it will be interesting to see if there's still ties to Prodigy somehow. I mean, we're gonna check these things out. <laughs> yeah. Like, we're gonna no, check we're them gonna out. get them in. We're yeah. gonna we're gonna throw them. They might be the greatest putter ever, yeah. and like that's why we're, we're not like, gonna miss out on. We them. might get our hands on them and throw them once and be like, oh, you know what? This company makes a lot of sense because they figured it out. But we also might get it in and be like, this is a PA3. What the heck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's definitely going to be an interesting thing. I think that they will for sure be like hyped up and super hot when they first come out. And then the longevity of it is where I'm really got a lot of questions. Yeah. They'd have to get a lot of diehard fans really quickly. But that And the putter mold has to also be like, there's a lot of brand loyalty in disc golf. So like, there's a lot of guys that aren't even that like want to throw one brand. So if they even if they really like this Penrose, they might be like, oh well, whoever I'm throwing, well let's say like oh I'm like oh well Dynamic makes this putter and it's just like it, just about like mm-hmm. it'd have to be so much different than every other putter. It exactly. really would have to be exactly. And I Drew mean, Gibson, I can't wait. <laughs> Drew Gibson <laughs> like, did say weighted different. He also said it's a masterpiece. It's designed different than a standard putter. You can feel the difference right away. Two sentences later, he said it fits right in between a P2 and a Challenger. So take from that what you want. So it, it, that may not fly differently. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I thought that was very I, interesting. I like between a P2 and a Challenger. Keep talking about like how much different it is, yada, yada, yada. And then it's like, yeah, it's right in between these two discs that are super super common and every manufacturer has one. Like, That's what I'm saying. Putters are just straight flying discs. Yeah. So. It's very interesting for me. So we, we will definitely keep an eye on this and try to figure out Rose, what's going though, on. I can't get that name out. Like, that, am I the only one that thinks that name is super catchy? The it's pen, a good name. The Penrose. What it's is a, a Penrose? Connor, what's a Penrose? He's on it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I have to know. Like, surely they're not crazy. What are we, what are we finding? Is there just a definition not, for it? Is it? Or did he make up the word? He might have made up the word. P-E-N-R-O-S-E. Just like Penrose, yeah. It's fascinating stuff. Can you imagine if it's just like he made it he up? Just made it up. Made like up how, you can't make that stuff up. Although I've seen some disc names out there that are pretty shocking. What's the thing in Citizen Kane? That's you um, might not know. No, it's um, like what he like what he whispers or whatever. It's, yeah, it's just like 
something famous from Sizzle. Oh, shoot. It has nothing to do with Penrose, I don't think. No, it has something to do with... Penrose is a town in Colorado. I mean, that... That could be anything. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe that's where he's from. Maybe. Or you could do a Penrose tile uh, that says, any of a finite number of shapes that are components of a specially non-periodic two- or three-dimensional tiling. I mean, that that's got to be it. There's something with tiling. That, that makes a lot that of sense. That doesn't even sound like English. No, but like, think it through that. The, it's weighted different, and we're finding about Rosemary. Penrose. I think that's what he said. Rosemary, dead on. Yep. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Penrose, right? And then we're finding it's weighted differently, and it's about like two and three D tiling is what it's named after. Come on, that's not a coincidence. Maybe it's just in Colorado. That's, we just look it up. Like, oh, he's from Colorado. Never mind. <laughs> that's wild, dude. I'm intrigued by this putter. I am too. We're definitely. This is what I've been out. saying. This that like disc. Oh, you can't check it out, Mister Dynamic. I mean, I'm still gonna hold. I'll it. I'll throw it all over you. I'm not going to throw it, but I'll still hold it. Because apparently be named, if I pick it up. It could also be named after Sir Roger Penrose, who is a British mathematician and theoretical physicist. Maybe the Maybe, Penrose oh. theory or something. Noted for his investigation of black holes. Whoa. Whoa. I've been saying <laughs> this. Futuristic that like here. Disc marketing needs to shift. Like everybody's marketing is like they're just coming out with new molds. When like I think the future of disc marketing is like technology whether it be plastic or like we saw with the impacts we released they had those little notches the little in there. like stuff like that because like there's so many molds that have already been made but there i feel like there's more possibilities with plastic blends and with i mean claiming whatever the heck this guy's about to claim about his putter and different weight distribution like that's the kind of stuff that like gets you excited and yeah, it might be like, a hoax it might be a hoax but i'm i want to see it everyone's <laughs> everyone's talking about this putter now yeah. simply because of it if you look at the plastic and stuff, it looks looks normal. But mm, fascinating. Um, before we jump into Trevor's trivia, butter. I want to super quick talk about <laughs> um, the Blue Ridge Disc Golf Tour. We just announced this today. If you're listening to the podcast, technically yesterday, but when we're recording it, we just announced it. Um, we're super excited to bring, be able to bring this. It's basically a mini tour for the Blue Ridge general area. Eight events going to be happening this year, and then an invite only based on points you uh, accrue throughout the eight events. Invite only, $10,000 added finale. First year of this tour, uh, we're partnering with Blue Chip Technologies. It's looking super promising. The reasons we wanted to bring this to fruition, um, I'm bringing out all the big words. Yeah, a crew is really good. I looked at Connor like, did you hear that? <laughs> Put my college college art degree to <laughs> test here. Uh, reasons for wanting to create this tour. First and foremost, uh, we wanted to promote the TDs and events in the area that were already killing it and basically find a way to group them together and make it more sellable, um, like a more sellable product to raise additional added cash to kind of take that burden off of them so we could get all the events to a B tier by selling the whole package. And then if they wanted to raise additional added cash, they could do so. So the tour was able to raise enough for all eight events to be guaranteed a minimum of $1,000 added cash as well as the $10,000 added finale. And then if the TDs are able to raise that additional thousand that they normally get, then, you know, now their event has 2000 added. Mm -hmm. So that was the first and foremost reason is we thought it was a great, great way to kind of use our platforms um, to push these local tournaments and local tours and uh, local tournaments and group them together into a tour that we could then sell. Um, we thought that that would work really well and um, we're super excited to give that. We also wanted to give the players in this area mm -hmm. a chance to regularly be on coverage. Um, because that is going to be a big thing um, for these players. There's a lot of great players in this area. Most of them are sponsored somewhat, a lot of the top ones. But there's also a lot that are up and coming 
that are just unnoticed by sponsors and mm-hmm. getting them regularly in front of the camera to where you can compare them to some of the other good pros in this area like a cody bradshaw a charlie Bearhorst, um some of these others uh jj burns justin rosak you know being able to compare these up-and-coming players to them week in and week out on coverage and some of the other touring pros that might end up coming in i'm sure Corey Ellis will probably come down some i could see barry schultz coming up uh players like that being able to really compare these players, I think that could go big towards helping players' reputation. Yeah. Um, and then we also selfishly would like to hopefully someday be able to transition this into a qualification tour of some type, whether that be a USDGC, like the tour winner gets an invite to the USDGC. Um, maybe it's a mini tour that leads on to getting a pro tour card in the future. Who knows what other opportunities may come, but we knew starting this now when a lot of this qualification stuff is kind of still up in the air and up for grabs was going to be beneficial because the more we're able to build it out and the more serious we're going to be taken on the disc golf scene the more likely we'll be able to offer something like that to a player and we also wanted it to give a platform where we could take some of the stuff that we talk about here on grip lock and really put it to the test see is this actually going to work this first year is more of a proof of concept we're never going to try super crazy things but, you know, I think as the tour goes on, it'll give us an opportunity to kind of be like, okay, well, let's try this um, more top-heavy payout. Let's try this um, whatever it may be. I'm trying to think through some of maybe like hazards and stuff like that. Let's yeah. try some of this stuff. Um, I think this tour is going to be a good outlet for it where we can kind of work with the TDs, get feedback on the ideas if the ideas are good and pass the TD test where the TDs are like, oh, that's a great idea. Let's do it. Uh, then we can present it on the tour, get some coverage, get player feedback, and see, like, are we sitting here crazy, or do these ideas actually hold weight? Right. Um, and so that's kind of where we were coming from. If you want to find more information about the Blue Ridge Disc Golf Tour, head over to Facebook. We have a Blue Ridge Disc Golf Tour uh, group. It has all the information within it, and we wanted to make it a group so that then the TDs could use it to also post about their events that are within this tour, answer questions, and have, like, an ongoing back and forth with players, the TDs, and us as the kind of, like, organizing body um so you can head over there and just search blue ridge disc golf tour it's a public group and it will come up but unless trevor has something to say about that no i think you covered it i I made a long list of points to make sure i covered it all Um, but it's now time for the fan favorite segment trevor's trivia what do you got for me today trevor all right so we're gonna be playing a little taboo or catchphrase or however you're, you're familiar i mean similar games there uh basically the premise of this game uh we're gonna be kind of on a team here but people love more on teams. Yeah, I'm going to. We'll have. I think we'll have Connor control the time. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm gonna you give me, get a timer. Or you have a timer. No, I can get a timer. All right, never mind. We got. We got Hunter with the timer. Um, we're gonna do. I think <laughs> Connor's so disappointed behind the scenes. <laughs> we'll do a minute, and I'm gonna try and go through as many disc golfers as I can. I have the pro- um, only a minute. Yeah, I think so. Okay. A minute's Let's try short. two minutes. Okay. Let's do two minutes. I, I heard the premise of this game before, and I feel like you need to. I think two minutes. So I'm I don't gonna, know how many disc golfers you have. I'm going to go through the Pro Tour standings. I'm not going to go in order. Uh, we'll do MPO. I think we'll do another one for FPO some other time. We're going to do MPO today. Um, and I'm not going to go in a particular order, so you can't just track, like, well, I know who's in first, second, third. I and, don't. But and no. I'm going to use – I'm not going to be able to use any, like, names or manufacturers to describe the player. So it's going to have to be – like other things Stats, you would know about finishes. Them. It's probably more going to be dis- descriptive words. Okay. Okay. How and many, like, is there, there's, it's not a limit on guesses. And we're going to see many how many we can get through. All right. And maybe see if the people that are listening can get them quicker than you. Yeah. You know? All right. You ready? All right. I'm ready. And go. All right. Robot Chicken. Chris Dickerson. 
Uh, anger. Nico. Yeah. Uh, long hair. Chris Clemens? No. Greg Barsby? No. Hair flip. James Conrad. Thank goodness. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, okay. Uh, wants to be like another player from the same company, but is young and up and coming. Looks almost just like him. Definitely imitates him. Anthony Barella? No. <laughs> from the same company. Both playing for the same company. One guy just got renewed. The guy he's imitating. It's oh, co- Kyle Klein. Yes. Uh, tattoos. And, Drew Gibson. Yeah. <laughs> um, dates Kona Panas. Grady, Sh- no, that's the old Whoa. one. Whoa! <laughs> Golden Montgomery. Yeah. <laughs> Crap. Um, <laughs> uh, owns the preserve. Uh, Kayla Visca. Yeah. Uh, has the same last name as the Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback. Terry Roethlisberger. Yeah. I was trying to think of his first name. Um, throws that eagle with the Jordan logo on it all over the place. Four hands all over the place. Also, he's throw Scorpius is all over the place. Barsby, yeah. Um, has his name on the Buzz SS. Barham. That was that was cheap, but yeah. Okay, <laughs> that was definitely cheap. Made at least twenty thousand dollars last year. <laughs> all of them. No, come on. You know I'm. You gotta know I'm Emerson Keith. To. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> not him. <laughs> Um, it was on. It was on Smash. Oh, Bros. Nate Perkins! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> come on, that's too funny. Just had a kid, Emerson Keith, <laughs> no. Grady Shue. Yeah, <laughs> three, uh, two, out of time. one. Okay, right, so I got what twelve? That was a lot. I do believe. I I thought you were gonna know that made at least twenty thousand dollars right away. I forgot. So I was trying to think like player contracts you recently heard numbers of. And I was like, sales numbers were just going all over the place in my head. <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, we made at least 20000 That could have been like any of the top. Yeah, but then we talked about it on the podcast. Nah, I forgot about I forgot about Perkins saying that on Smashbox. Oh, my goodness. That's pretty funny. That was a good game. I like that. Yeah, it's fast. You didn't even use Paul or Ricky. Yeah, well, no. You didn't use a lot of them. So we can definitely bring that back. Because you got all to... the FBO field and more MPO. I didn't want to pick guys. Like, if, I, if it's Paul, I could be like, owns part of this company. Brody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you got two guesses, you know? That's all right. Um, that's, that's a fun right. game. That's a fun game. I looked down and was ready to transition. I didn't know a smooth way to Where's do it. The segue. All right. Well, this next segment is going to the <laughs> I moon. You, I thought you were gonna say this next segue. <laughs> no, we're basically. Going you all know about GameStop. You all know about Dogecoin. You know it's taken over the internet. AMC. One thing that about disc golf is none of the companies right now that we know of are public, but we're gonna oh, act gosh, like man. they're all publicly traded, and you've got. A fat stack of cash to invest in these companies. Or you already own them. Or you already hold them. Already hold them. <laughs> already own them. So we're doing a buy, sell, or hold. Yeah. So basically, I'm going to give a company. Trevor will give what he would buy, sell, or hold it, and then why. And this, it might sound similar to the winners or losers of the offseason that we did, but this is based on more so on like the whole company. So now All we're right. factoring in discs, popularity of the discs, yeah, you also, yada, yada, yada. Like, you may have lost an offseason, but you're still a company on the rise. Yeah. Like there, there's definitely some examples of that. So. so first off, starting off easy, Discraft. Discraft. <sighs> this is, this is kind of, this might be one of the toughest ones, I feel like. 
This crap. How so? This crap. <laughs> I mean, I put him. I put him first. I thought it was the most obvious one, but I want to hear. You say you think it's obvious buy? Yeah, but I want to hear your reason for being on the fence. I would say it's a hold. Interesting. I don't think it's a buy because I think I think Discraft has peaked because they have two of the greatest players of all time right now, and when if they are not able to secure the next generation, both of those players they have, keep in mind, are like thirty years old. So they still haven't like, and now there's not really many companies out there that have like the next generation secured. There isn't that many players from that next generation yet. So I'm not saying like they're behind or anything, but I'm not, even though they're on a very much an upwards trend still, like I'm not saying they're plateaued. So I'm saying you hold the stock, you hold it, but I'm not buying it right now. Literally like five seconds ago, we're basically saying they plateaued. I, I think their climb. You said was like, they peaked. Their climb was like exactly their climb said. was more like this, and now it's like this. So I think they haven't peaked. So it's a slow one. It's not worth the risk of buying right now. You're holding it if you're you crazy. have it, and you're not quite going to sell it yet. But I wouldn't buy okay, it. Discraft has Discraft's an obvious buy if it wasn't already obvious. No, they have momentum. Not. They have great molds, uh, hyped up releases out the wazoo like no other company. They have great plastic to go with those. And they have probably the best all-around team because they have Paul, they have Paige, and then you said they don't have the next generation. They just signed Ezra Aderhold, and they re-signed Haley King. Ezra's... Okay. Both of those players are not completely proven. But neither are not proven. There is no When reason- I talk about the next generation, I meant like a guy like Eagle, who already is like a top five player, and he's super young. But you also have to remember that... Paul and Paige's career have probably eight to ten more years. You have no idea if that's true. I mean, they could get hurt, sure, but any no, player could that, get hurt. They could, they, I mean, age is a thing. Yeah, but 35 playing disc golf? It's already tightening up more at the top. Maybe not for Paige as much. Yeah, no. For Paul, it disc is. Disc graph's an obvious buy. There's, that being said, he's not coming their out of momentum, the top three this year. Their $1, momentum, $1, yeah, if you if you actually believed <laughs> that, you would have said they were an obvious buy because that's just, just going to keep pumping them up. Disc graph's an obvious buy, and it's a buy, and it's a hold. So you buy it and you're you're in for the long haul because Discraft's got a lot more up to ride. Eh, I don't know. You never know. You're crazy. MVP. MVP. Right this very moment, you buy and then you sell after. There's going to be a point where you sell maybe during this season Mm-mm. because you're gonna you're gonna buy them because they just got James Conrad. But I don't think James Conrad. I think he's a he was a good signing for them, but. I don't think he's quite good enough to finish high enough consistently throughout the year to keep the MVP hype up enough. Therefore, I think you buy him, you buy, you pump and dump this one. You buy it, and then you sell it like maybe a few events in when the stock is the highest. I didn't know we were going to like deep analysts. So personally, I'm writing, I'm writing covered calls on MVP. Like, what are we? T- there's a buy, hold, or sell. Like, there's a one matter of fact. I'm shorting this craft. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> I'm going on Wall Street bets, and we're screwing Trevor. <laughs> okay. MVP is a buy. To me, it's a no-brainer. I said it was a buy. Yeah, but I think immediate sell. they're making, we, we've we got their product in. They're making some seriously quality discs, yeah, especially yeah, Streamline, so. mainly because Streamline doesn't have that same stigma of like being a gyro mold, and they're yeah. still in the great plastic that MVP makes. Their, their plastic feels amazing. Plastic's um, good, yeah. They're definitely on the rise of popularity, 
And I think that James Conrad is only the tip of the iceberg for them because I think that once James Conrad gets out on tour, it's going to break that stigma. And I think that he's the first of several signings we're going to see over the next few years mm. that are going to keep them on the rise. Nah, um, don't think so, so to me, MVP's a buy. Um, if Too you want to get as technical as Trevor, you wouldn't buy it right now because it probably is inflated from the James Conrad hype. You would have bought it six months ago. But it's true. I mean, we're not getting that technical. It's buy, sell, or hold. You never told me whether or not to get buy. technical. Buy. Bye 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 bye. And that's that's I'm rich. What is the, the Kramer? Guy. What's his first name? Huh? Kramer. From Seinfeld. Seinfeld. I mean, I get where that would come off. No, from uh, he's an investing show. It doesn't matter. Yeah, like hits a button. It's like bye bye bye. Oh, I know what you're talking about the one that's like screams. always James. red in yeah, the face. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, Prodigy. Prodigy. Ooh. That's a tricky one. Yeah, it is. That is my, the trickiest one. I changed my answer on this one three times. I'll write this. <laughs> uh, if you have Prodigy, ooh. if you have Prodigy right now and you've had it for a while, do you sell it or do you hold it? Their team is young young and decent right now. I think if I have Prodigy right now, I'm selling it. So you're, you're selling Prodigy. I'm selling Prodigy. Why? Because I think their price right now is as high as it's going to get. Because the last time they signed a team that, like, the last time they had a good offseason was when they started and they signed every good player under the sun and it went downhill from there. And I rest my case. Yes and no. So I put Prodigy yeah, at a hold. Take that to the bank. <laughs> I put Prodigy at a hold simply because you could. Prodigy's had a ton of good talent. Their plastic it's good, especially their putters and mids, some of the best out there. Um, the reason I have them at hold is because I don't think that they have a ton of needle movers on their team right now. Basically, they have Chris, Cat, and Kevin, who they've already had. Yeah. The ones that the players they signed are good. Uh, they're going to move the needle some, but not enough to really say like Prodigy's got a ton of momentum right now. So I think they're just going to continue on the same pace. Um, if they somehow found a way to make a move with their disc or players to start reaching a new audience then they could easily flip to a buy. Um, part of me thinks the answer to this might be kind of in their spectrum plastic, if they can find a way to produce that more. And also, I don't fully know what's going on with it, but all of my Prodigy discs that I have have oil coming out of them, like where they're all like cloudy. and They, they feel like kind of grippy from it, but it also leaves this residue on your hand. I've never had that happen, and I, we used to be sponsored by Prodigy. Maybe it's just like the humidity in my house or something. It must be. I've got 65 Prodigy discs at my house, and 58 of them, are like that, and the other seven are PA3s and baseline. I had a lot of Prodigy plastic. Connor's not in his head aggressively. Really? I had a lot of Prodigy plastic. It's not their baselines. They're 400. I know. Set, sitting around my dorm in college because that's what we threw. Even the Spectrum stuff that. that we got custom stamped foundation is in the same way. That's interesting. But but I will say, if, you, if you're not like hanging on your wall and it's not a collector actually, item, it feels great throwing because it's actually like it almost adds like you put your hand in a chalk bag type texture to it. I almost want to change but, my answer based on the fact that I think they own EV7 to a buy. EV7's on this list. Oh, okay. I put them here because I figured we could, we could do it. Um, so <laughs> next up. electric. No, it's actually evolution. Seven. I read it. Okay, dang. All right, continue. And I think seven's for like seven days a week. So you're supposed to evolve mm, all the time. All right, well. uh, Innova. Innova. Sell. Big sell. Because their their stock's declining and it's going to keep declining. Yeah, I agreed. I said sell. I didn't say big sell. And it was tough. So Don't recent be. years, we've definitely seen their popularity start to decline. But at the same time, on the flip side of that coin, they're not going anywhere. The Destroyer yeah. is not going anywhere. They're not going the anywhere. The Firebird, it ain't moving but anywhere. Th those molds. The are Rock 3. 
the AVR. I feel like the young the disc golfers are not throwing Innova like we did when we were. That's why. That's why I put it in a cell. So like a couple, like twenty years from now, it could be real trouble. But it just depends if they're able to sign some up and comers. I don't even know if it has to do with signings. They sign Ricky. I think it has to do. Ricky more. is not as big of a needle mover. He's not as marketable as some of the other. I would rather have mm. a Kevin Jones, a mm. Paul, even a Chris Dickerson. Not Kevin. Kevin's yeah. not moving the needle more than Ricky. Maybe not more, but he has more potential to. Possibly. I think. But in any case, I think it has Eagle. more to do with Innova's like they're reaching with like media and stuff. Like, it's I'm also not, true. I'm not feeling their presence there. That's no. why I would say it. Not necessarily their signing problems. Yeah, I mean, I think that Innova's still... I mean, I'd be surprised if Innova wasn't the biggest... Probably, I mean, you can't say biggest manufacturer. I think Latitude technically is. But as right. far as like presence in the sport, I would say Innova is probably They're still not number going one. Anywhere. Yeah. They're not like going out of business, but I do I think sell. that they peaked and they've been on the decline for a little bit. Yeah. And I don't think them losing James Conrad and Thomas Gilbert helped their case at all this year. Yeah. So uh next up we have Discmania. Discmania. Uh Discmania is a big sell. <laughs> because yes, they have really good needle moving players, but I don't know what's happening to their business mm-hmm. with the whole like only making four molds things. I'm I'm smelling their business getting uh, absorbed. So that's why I'm selling them. Yeah. Because <laughs> they might not know, exist anymore. There's anything you know about the stock market, nine times out of ten, it doesn't like uncertainty. Yeah. And, and there's there a lot is of a uncertainty. Because Discmania, they They're have a great Eagle, company. They have Simon. They've got really They've good They've got modes. insane up-and-coming Finnish players. They have insanely good discs but they can't make them because they don't make their discs yeah so therefore their originals line which is by far the best disc mania like with the most branding their evolution and active line stuff is great but it's not what the players are throwing in of the smartest play right now would be to buy out disc mania and i know there's already some kind of relationship there but they need to just like completely absorb it and have those players under them and absorb the mold i think what would be more likely is for more, latitude to I, absorb I, I was gonna say i think it'd be more likely that latitude does but i think in, it'd be end of his best play well the, my biggest question is does this mania actually own their original line mold my yeah. gut feeling is no, because I have no, heard so many so. times that like a PD2 is a destroyer top with a yada yada bottom, and an yeah. MD3 is a beadless rock. Thing. Every time the original line is mentioned, there is an end of a mold tied into it. Right, right. So my gut feeling is that Discmania can't get those original molds out, because if they could have, I feel like they would have. Because an MD3 or a PD2 in Latitude Plastic sounds like a pretty good disc. Mm-hmm. But I think since that move hasn't happened over the last year, it's not going to happen. Um, and so I've seen a lot of disc maniacs on Facebook and other places. They either are paying some insanely high price for P2s, MD3s, etc., or they're leaving. And like, those are your only two options right now Yeah. because the evolution and active line stuff, it's great. Mm-hmm. I felt it. I felt yeah. most of it. It feels amazing. But at the end of the day, their players haven't made a name for themselves on those discs. They've made a name for themselves on the originals. Right. And that's what everyone wants from Discmania. Mm-hmm. And not being able to provide that makes it a sell for me because there's too much uncertainty that like Discmania a year from now could be cranking out original lines and be back to pumping, you know, just flying upwards. But this is going to be a very tough year for Discmania yeah. because they've announced that basically starting this year off, they're bringing only five original line discs in. 
And we know, I think the MD3 and the DD3 have kind of been announced that those are coming soon. The other three, I would imagine is going to be like the P2. I would hope the FD3. And like, what do you choose? Because like the FD, the FD3. It's tough. There's so many. MD4, I mean... I don't know what they're going to end up doing, but regardless, there's going to, everyone's going to want more yeah. and they can't do it. So that was a, a easy one for me, but unfortunate at the same time. Uh, dynamic discs. Oh man. Dynamic. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe I should have Connor answer this one instead of you. Well, okay. I'm going to give you, dynamic yeah, I understand that I'm going to be accused no, of unbiased, bias, unbiased. but like I would, I'm going to say bye and you're going to go, well, duh, but then I'm going to explain it. <laughs> Reason I the reason I I'm not, I don't think it's an obvious buy. I, no, I'm saying well, duh. They oh, everybody's you're assuming sponsored. I'm going to okay, say okay, buy. Okay, okay. Here, here's why I would say it's a buy, and this it's because number one, yeah, Trevor's just played footsie <laughs> on the table. <laughs> number one, it's because their marketing and branding is on point. They have that figured out. They have the the whole media side figured out, which is one of the hardest things for some companies. Um, now that I've gotten my hands on the discs, the discs are good. There's no denying like the, like those discs are good, um, and they're basically like in a spot right now where it's pretty apparent they're trying to make a big signing. So it's I think it's a matter of time. I think it's just a matter of time um, before it'll probably be next off season it, uh, where they make a big signing. So obviously you buy because it's probably cheap right now, and it's going to explode when they make that big signing. Like. There's an inevitable, even if it's not even a huge needle mover, it's inevitable that the, that they're going to go up because they're going to make a signing. Like they're they're basically sitting there ready for it. Yeah, I put. And they're not going to go down. That's the other th- mm-hmm. reason it's an obvious buy. They're not they're not going anywhere. They have a solid team. That's what I put. I put them as a buy simply because they're doing well and doing just fine without that face of the company player. Right. To where a lot of other companies are relying on that face of the company that one singular player that's why i put dynamic as a loss this offseason but i think that as a company i'm more confident in the future of their company than a lot of other ones because a player's contract can come and go just like that and you know as quickly as some players come to companies they can leave immediately and that will really hurt dynamic they're being able to build this brand around employees around you know, their podcast shows, stuff like that, where there's a lot of interchangeable parts. And if you lose just one person off that team, like Robert McCall, who they just recently lost moving uh, closer to his family, it hurts, but it's not crippling. Right. Because Robert McCall is not the face of the company. Mm -hmm. There's no one singular face of that company. So to me, that allows them, because they even talked about last year was one of their best years, or maybe it was the year before that. They're moving into this massive new warehouse. They're clearly doing very well as a company without that player. So once they get that player... That strong foundation they've built isn't going anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) That strong foundation they built, that's not going anywhere. So I think that, like you said, their only direction's up. They hinted at several times that they made big offers this offseason to multiple players. I think they wanted every free agent that was out there. For some reason, they weren't able to land any of them, but they're going to land one soon. And once they do land that person, then Dynamic's going to be a force to be reckoned with. So These next two, I think we can kind of go through quick. We might you want me to group them together. You yeah, know what's coming. West ahead. side and latitude. Yeah, West side and latitude are both a hold. Yeah, that's what I put the same thing. Because they got they both have solid molds that are keeping them around. Yeah, they both have a solid team that's keeping them around, but they're not making a big move one direction or the other. They're just kind of there. Yeah, they're holds. All right, the final one, EV seven, and I think that my answer might surprise you. <laughs> Sounds like a YouTube thumbnail. 
<laughs> Click to find out. Yeah. Uh, EV7. Okay. The hype. Well, if you already have it, you're definitely holding it because the hype is still building right now. Their hype cannot die on EV7 until something would get leaked, which is unpredictable. Or when the season starts, these things get in people's hands. So if you have it, you're holding it. If you don't have it right now, I'm I'm still buying it. I think the hype's going to keep building at this point. It's still maybe until this podcast comes out and we keep talking about it. But uh, yeah, you're buying it for sure. So it's a buy and sell. It's a quick one. Yeah. Though. So I listed it as a sell because I was looking at this as more like a long term investment type thing. So I actually literally wrote this. If it was an actual stock, I'd invest hard right now, ride the pre-sale, and then dump it as fast as I can. Yeah, it's exactly uh, right. I don't think there's a room. We talked about this some. I just think there's room for a putter-only brand right now. I think it's too early unless it was designed by a super well-known and already marketable player. Um, Like like I had said, Ken Climo, Barry Schultz, something like that. So I just, you're not going to be able to find pros that push the plastic. I think long-term unless it is tied to a prodigy or it gets bought out by a different company. I just don't see it making sense. So to me, this is, you know, we're, we're quick flipping this. We're getting in and out fast. But if we're going long term, it's a sell. Yeah, absolutely. Now, before we jump in to make that call, this was actually requested by several people that I think here on YouTube, people are a little left in the dark um, because we made a lot of posts over on Instagram about this stuff. Uh, so we wanted to clear this up really fast. First off, Trevor's deal with dynamic discs. Yes. Um, you don't have to go into details about your actual deal. Right. I think what people were more confused about is why you chose to sign with them. And also like, does this mean you're going to be like trying to tour type of a thing? Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so first of all, the reason I decided to sign with them is because now that foundation is carrying other manufacturers, I wanted to throw other discs to promote them, but I figured, you know, there might be an opportunity for me to work with the company to, you know, have those discs provided to me so that I could, you know, it's kind of a win-win helps me out, um, getting some discs in that are given to me that I can use and then helps the company out because we can, I can use my platform to promote them. Um, so I figured I would go with dynamic because I am a fan of their company. I had a contact within their company and I can throw three brands. Essentially it's kind of killing three birds with one stone. Obviously, I'm going to throw primarily dynamic, but you're allowed to throw West Side and Latitude as well. Um, as far as the deal, it's just a basic ambassador deal. I'm not being sponsored for my playing ability. I mean, most of you can sniff that one out, and then others seem confused, like, how did this guy get sponsored? I mean, if you look through their ambassadors on their website, it's a lot of tournament directors and people that are just growing the sport and promoting their plastic. And that's all I'm being signed to do, really, is just throw their stuff, talk about it, and just you know, just use it and like spread the word about dynamic discs. And so that's, that's all it is. Yeah. It's nothing major, nothing huge. And I'm not going to be touring, but you know, we're just trying to help each other out. The other big question was right along the lines of it was what the heck does this mean for the future foundation? We saw a lot of questions about where, well, does it, well, there go Paul and Brody. They're gone out of the, off the scene, yada, yada, yada. The foundation is not changing. Paul and Brody are still here. Um, they're still going to be actually Brody's literally coming up in two days from now. We're going to be getting some content with all four of us, hopefully again. Um, assuming that Paul's super busy right now, prepping for going out to the all-star events and stuff like that. So he, I think only has like one true day that he can kind of practice and stuff like that. And we might have to do meetings that day instead of actually film. Regardless, there's going to be content. Brody's going to be up here. All four of us are still together. You know, that rumor can be thrown out the window. 
we are also transitioning to carrying all brands. Um, I think that this doesn't really come as a shock to a lot of people because you saw the post on Instagram, if you follow us on Instagram, where all Brody and Paul exclusive stuff is going to be transitioning only to Discraft. And, you know, that move basically allowed Foundation again to be separated to where we can now carry stuff. Basically, Discraft, and it made perfect sense, didn't want Paul and Brody exclusive stuff being sold on a website that carried all brands. Um, and then, you know, when rubber met the road, it was just a discussion back and forth of it would literally, people thought that I was like making something up. I was not lying. Like it, we got customer service emails and calls about the get freaky drops and Discraft got customer service emails and calls about our McBeast and mm-hmm. other drops. And it was very confusing to the customer. Every time Brody would post something about a drop, the, for some of the first comments were, is this on Foundation's website or Discraft's website? And that's not good for either of us. So after talking more and more, it just made sense to make that transition. And then that transition opened the door for us to be able to start carrying other brands again. Um, as far as our custom runs and stuff, the same amount are going to be happening. Uh, the patrons are going to get the same benefits that were promised. Nothing's changing there. The only change is the stamp designs are going to be Foundation heavy over Brody and Paul heavy. And not even all of them were planned on being Brody or Paul heavy. Very few were. So... Day-to-day operation, your experience as a customer, nothing's changing. Um, you know, it's really just a transition for us as a company. It's a lot more behind-the-scenes type stuff. But we obviously, with how public we are and how open we are with all of our you know business stuff with you guys, it obviously raised a lot of questions. And hopefully that clears everything up. A lot of people on Instagram that already cleared up. So if you're not following us on other platforms, sometimes something like that will happen where you'll be confused. And it's simply because we thought it was more of an Instagram announcement than a YouTube announcement. Um But if you listen to this podcast, hopefully that makes sense now. And it's finally time to transition into the last segment of the day. Make that call. Now, I need to start this off. Emergency press conference here. I need to apologize for last week. Mm, Because, well, possibly. (laughs) I also need to correct myself, possibly. So the Q&A section of last week's rule, if you don't remember, basically it was the throw. Trevor, as he was pulling through, a branch knocks it out of his hand, falls down, didn't count. The Q&A section, when compared to the actual rule for what defines a throw, is pretty confusing. So the Q&A section on the PGA's website defines a throw as a throw begins when the disc is moving forward in the intended direction, meaning that my rule call last week was wrong and Trevor was right, because the disc would be moving forward before it got knocked out, and therefore not a throw, or it was a throw, because you're attending, you're moving it forward in its intended direction. But the actual rule states, and it's way more vague about, A throw is the propulsion and release of a disc in order to change its position. That's the definition of a throw. And then the throw rule for whether it counts or not says each throw that is made as a competitive attempt to change the lie is counted. Right. So to me, the rule is saying if the disc, if all that needs to happen is a disc needs to be propelled and released, even if you're moving it backwards in a reach back, it's still being propelled and then even if the tree is what releases it, it still was released. See, what 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 hinders me is the competitive attempt to change the lie. You were making an attempt. The, brin- the well, branch What if it was my practice swing? That's where it becomes too ambiguous. Like, unless you're in disc golf, like in ball golf, you can be standing five feet away and take a practice swing. In disc golf... You got to be on your lie. You got to be on your lie for it really to make sense for you. And in that case, like unless you're going to yell it, this is my practice swing. Like you're going to have to just re- accept the consequences of that disc pops out of your hand. It's a throw, you know? So yeah. regardless, that's where I I'm think at. that. So last week, according to the Q and a section, if it would have been his reach back that knocked the disc out, it wouldn't have been a throw. 
But then as Trevor states, it's the throw it, the propulsion and release of the disc in order to change positions. So, like, would your reach back not be a propulsion of the disc? It sure is. I don't know. Um, regardless, we're moving away from that. We're just going to say last week I was wrong and you were right. That it was a throw. Uh, because of the way I worded it last week. But this week. Thank you. This week I did my research both between the Q&A section and the rules section to make sure I had both fronts covered. Because last week I skipped the Q&A explanation and went straight to the rules and I should not have done that. Dirty dog. And now we learn. Um, so, this this week. You step up to a somewhat soft par four. Mm. Has a double mando, though. Mm. Up about 60 feet shy of the green. You step up and you're like, you know what? I, I'm feeling good. I'm going I'm gonna go for, for it. it. I'm going for it. That seems impossible. <laughs> Straight out of your hand, it looks amazing. Everybody knows it's making the Mando. <laughs> Everybody knows it's it. Out of nowhere, this crosswind picks up and it hides out just early. And you end up missing the Mando. As you start walking with your group, you're already upset. You get up there. I'm not even mad. I'm getting up and down for par. You get up there. 60 feet away. But there's no drop zone marked. Oh, now I'm upset. So there's no drop zone marked. Oh, I'm real upset. Where are you playing your next lie from? And what are you throwing from that lie? Okay. Mm. So I think the obvious answer here was just be like, oh, you just re-T and you're throwing three. But you wouldn't have given me the question if it's that obvious. So therefore, I feel like there's going to be some rule where it's like wherever you break the Mando line or something. I've never heard of this, though, because there's always seems to. I, I feel like there's always either been a drop zone or you re-tee. But you wouldn't surely you wouldn't give me the question if that was if it was that easy. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and say that you play from the line of the OB like straight across. And you, I'm going to say you're allowed to take a meter relief off of that line and you're playing three. So where you cross the Mando line. Yeah. No, you just re <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I knew the rule, but I just yeah, overcomplicated it. So you're on the, the T throwing three. <laughs> That's funny. Because if no drops have been marked, you must proceed back to previous You line. just try to reverse. Like, no, just try to, like, I in my head always thought the rule for a Mando that a drop zone had to be present. Oh, I know. I thought I thought I, I'm pretty I sure why. I played events where you re tee. That's why I thought that. But then I was like, no, wait. It's I was easy. just like sitting there and I was like, that's <laughs> fascinating. I always thought like every time I've made a Mando, I put a drop zone. Yeah, no, I think I've, I've pretty sure I've played courses where you retweet. Retweet. We yes. I, I've always I, I don't know. I just thought a drop zone was like a mandatory thing. <laughs> that wasn't supposed to be a pun. That's it like was a double pun. All right, continue. <laughs> that was all I was saying. So that's why it, it's well, it still stumped you. So it worked. It worked. I played reverse psychology on myself and got it. <laughs> All right, well, that's going to wrap it up for this week. Um, hopefully, this podcast was at least fun to listen to and also clear the air on a lot of random stuff. Um, and also, uh, you know, we got a little speculation conspiracy theory going there with EV7. We'll keep you filled in on that because <laughs> that could, I mean, that could just be fascinating. Who knows? But that's going to wrap it up. Um, thank you guys so much for listening, and we will talk to you all next week.